Bonjour. Hi. Ciao. Hola. Ok. Thanks for joining us for You Sow What You Hope to Reap. We are glad you're here. Heck yes, we are. <laughs> um, that over there is the clever as all heck, Jen Scott. And sitting across from me is the energetic <laughs> Elena Mormon. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it today. So, Elena, I thought today, rather than talking about chapter two, we could talk about two things that I was thinking about after our last episode. Okay, hit me. I got it. One of them is, I feel like it would be good if we described what our conception of the patriarchy is. Love and, that. And talked about why we made the statement that it's not good for mm. anybody. Yeah, like some build some context around that. Yes. And I, I mean, we're way farther along in this like journey than potentially some of our listeners. So yeah, Kate, I, I'm on board. I okay. love talking about the patriarchy. I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> Um, and then I also, at the end of the last episode, we talked about how if people just knew they were experiencing freeze, what they could do. Mm. So I went and did some research, and I think I have some ideas for that, and I'd like to talk to them, Kay. talk about them with you. Okay, I love it. I love it. Yeah, like your epiphany about that, I, I was like bragging to people. I was like, you will not believe what's coming. <laughs> like I felt like I was like promoting our podcast, but it was more so just that I was just so proud of like the progress and and just like in awe of you just in awe well thank you I had an epiphany you did have an epiphany that's not what I considered it at the time but I appreciate that you're welcome so I thought we need to do a little bit of thinking or 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 talking about what the patriarchy is Mm -hmm. so I thought maybe we should share a couple definitions and then talk about why we like Kate Mann's definition Uh, yes I love I love that idea Okay. okay So one that I found from Catherine Nash says, the patriarchy refers to a social system in which there is gender inequality um, or a system of relationships, beliefs, and values embedded in political, social, and economic systems that structure gender inequality between men and all other genders. So... I like that definition because I think one of the things that we've really, I think we knew but really had to embrace was the systemic quality of the patriarchy. Like it's a systemic issue. So it's not something that like, while we smash it on Wednesdays, it's not necessarily something that we are going to be able to fully dismantle. So I think that just changed our expectations for this being like a process and a journey rather than like a definitive end goal. Totally. Okay. hundred percent. Um, my other definition that I had written down uh, is more about what the patriarchal setup is. Mm. So it says it's a setup where the lack of equality between men and women is accepted. Okay. But I like in the previous definition how it says all other genders. Yeah. And that was, I think this is another growth point for us is that while like a patriarchal system, I mean, patriarchy, the like paternity, all of those relate back to like a male gendered. And then we assume then feminism relates to like the fight against the patriarchy. And it really goes in that binary, but it's not the understanding that the patriarchy negatively affects anyone, anyone. Like it's men are affected, women are affected, anyone of any gender or any gender identity 
um, are negatively affected by the patriarchy. The fact that it hurts all of us um, was another growth moment, despite the fact that it does seem like it exists in that binary understanding. Agreed, because within patriarchal structure, uh, masculine qualities are mm. privileged. Yes. And feminine qualities are definitely undervalued. So anytime a woman has masculine qualities, that doesn't go, right? And anytime a man has some feminine qualities, that also doesn't go along with it. So I think, especially in today's world, where a lot of families aren't necessarily the man is just working and the woman is staying at home cooking mm -hmm. and cleaning and taking care of the kids there's a lot of um, couples and families where both both people work and responsibilities are being shared yeah and part of that patriarchy I think and, and you kind of alluded to it is like a heteronormative structure that an appropriate relationship is with a dominant male and a submissive female Whereas, much like you said, that it's it's not that traditional, like, male breadwinner, mother, woman, stay at home. You have families where there aren't those gender roles at all or subvert what we, I think, we consider to be kind of stereotypical gender roles. Which is why, goes back to what we said before, it's, it's not just negatively affecting women. When heterosexuality is the norm, that or the considered norm or the considered acceptable, that negatively affects the entire LGBTQIA plus community. That tells them what, what that they don't belong, which is completely ridiculous, but um, it's, it's a larger community of people. So join us. <laughs> Please join us. And I, I love that you brought that up. Um, as teachers, I mean, we are required to treat all students, regardless of uh, gender, sexual orientation, religious background, uh, anything. We have to treat all students equally and mm -hmm. fairly. And I think just being a teacher, it's really, I don't want to say that it's difficult, but it's, um, it's required that we think outside of a patriarchal structure and heteronormative structures for for families and i feel like we're there because i think one of those first barriers that we hit is that we had to acknowledge that like here's where i've benefited from the patriarchy here's where the patriarchy has hurt me and then to go and consider well, what ideals do i carry that are actually perpetuating these patriarchal ideas or this heteronormativity and, and that was a hard thing to confront. So like for in class today, I was talking about this very like kind of icky male character who was very like suggestive, um, flirting with uh, a female character. And I called him a dick. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, no, I don't want there to be negativity associated with any specific gender. And it was like interesting because I think we talked about this too, that what language do we use that actually perpetuates those? And that was kind of a first step for us is understanding what it was and then tackling language. So I think I'm jumping ahead, but you, you are, but that's perfect as you should. <laughs> um, we, I mean, I think when we read Down Girl, The Logic of Misogyny a couple years ago by Kate Mann, I think our goal was to smash the patriarchy yes but then we did realize like 
okay, this isn't just, hey, I'm going to stand up for everything other than the patriarchy. Um, like you said, we found some accountability, some personal accountability in yeah. perpetuating the structure. And I don't think we would have had the strength to stand up in any public forum, do no. this podcast, hopefully present at different conferences if we hadn't already had to go through some of that gritty self-reflection where we felt the shame and felt the regret and then that instead of that stopping us it promoted growth and for us to keep going and I think that's the that was I don't know I look at that back at that a few years ago and feel like that was a really significant turning point for just me in my life and how I viewed myself and my importance and then and it really came out of my appreciation for all these incredible women. Mm-hmm. And I'm sick of us all feeling like we weren't as important. But we didn't feel as important because we thought it was either put up with it or combat it, mm-hmm. right? And I think an important thing that we learned is you don't make it a women versus men or an us versus Absolutely. men situation, right? Because that's not really that's not really what it is. Um, it's more about rather than let's say smashing it it's more about not condoning it yeah well and the like the male versus female is still that it's the subtleties of the patriarchy that it's not an us versus them it's an entire system and the fact that everyone is is hurt under it is just I think that next level of understanding um and knowing that like you and I we don't condone it being an us versus them and no. that's not at all the purpose of what we're doing but to acknowledge it is that you kind of have to drop down like your barriers you do as well and obviously that vulnerability is is scary for anyone for anyone it is scary yeah um I think we learned that quite early right mm-hmm. so uh, it should be a learning journey for everyone and when someone says uh the word misogyny or smash the patriarchy it doesn't mean we hate men not even remotely close no and we certainly don't believe that all men hate women not at no. all yeah um all i think it means is that all people should get to enjoy a place or a safe place to discuss injustice injustices within the patriarchal system um, and if you feel attacked or you feel hurt by those terms, then check your privilege. Like, I remember we had to check our privilege, right? Very, oh, big time. Oh. Well, the the whole acknowledging that we were wrong mm-hmm. to start off with was was really... I've, I found that hard. Because, again, it's like, I don't, I don't want to be wrong because I feel like what we're doing is right. I feel like it's the right thing. So... You said we realized that we were wrong. Mm-hmm. And then we basically questioned every everything, right? Mm-hmm. We questioned our own language. We questioned our own behaviors. And not that we were looking at people and questioning their language, but it became a little bit easier to point out why saying specific things isn't really appropriate. And yeah. it also became easier to explain why those things weren't appropriate, right? So just having the confidence to say, hey... You shouldn't use that derogatory term. Yeah. And then this is why you shouldn't use that derogatory term. And knowing that there was the fact that that first meeting, there was that group of us. So if there was something that someone said, there was a group of people that I knew that like I could go be like, okay, this is what I heard. And 
it feels uncomfortable and I think this is why it feels uncomfortable like do you feel that too so having that like that community of people who are are also attempting to be open-minded yes. and and pay attention to those things it makes you feel less alone because so much of the patriarchy is belittling anything that doesn't fit a very specific structure of how humans should react so questioning that it's like you almost need like someone to be like no I I agree with you and there's that strength in in moving forward that you don't feel alone totally and questioning everything doesn't mean I disagree I disagree Mm. right it means really truly educating yourself and I think that we set out to do that and I think we did it purposefully um from a place of wanting to learn and wanting to know more and not to just prove what we were saying was right Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there was I think in some of our conversations with people outside of of the two of us there was a perceived arrogance in the way that we were going about it and like if I'm being really honest I think some of that in the in the beginning might have been a a defensiveness out of fear. Yeah. That like okay suddenly I do feel like I went through this like transformative uh journey of self-realization to some degree and and suddenly like our voices were a little bit louder and they were a little bit more public and they were a little bit more forceful and we weren't just staying quiet um and potentially some pushback did did result in a defensiveness but it 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 was a really scary place to be but that scariness was worth it based on i think the fear that and I can speak to it from the point of view as a like a cis hetero woman the fear that I feel walking through a parking lot being anywhere alone like it was worth it totally well in those fears that that fear that you described that's a culturally appropriate fear yes right? and it should not be you mm-hmm. should not be afraid to walk through a parking lot by yourself I was thinking about this okay so universities will have mm. um like Basically, in a parking lot, you'd be able to actually either call for help in a parking lot or pre-arrange someone to walk you to your vehicle in a late night class. I think that's proof that it's culturally acceptable. Instead of addressing the problem, which is where predators feel like they can prey on unassuming people, mm-hmm. we're just going to put in, like, basically, like, here's a bucket of Band-Aids. <laughs> Yeah, to potentially help because there's a very good possibility that you will be assaulted on the way to your vehicle. So it's going to happen, but here you can help prevent it. Like, why should we have to help prevent it? Why is it happening in the first place? Right? Yes. And I think these are the questions that we got to. Mm -hmm. And then with our group and our collaborative community, as it started to grow and we had teachers from elementary school and teachers from middle school, we started to talk about, like, playground behavior. Yes, maybe playground behavior is actually the beginnings of this whole process, right? And we say things like, oh, boys will be boys. And why, you know, oh, girls cry and boys don't cry. Like, why do we say that? And if he's mean to you, he likes you. Right. So, and that one particularly for me just like really grinds my gears because you're telling young girls that they have to, it's okay for them to feel unsafe. Mm-hmm. It's okay for them to be devalued because that's the best way that men can communicate affection. It doesn't give men the ability to be, to show genuine emotion or to be perceived as, 
as weak or vulnerable because they're actually willing to present legitimate feelings. No, they have to punch a girl in the shoulder and be like, your hair's stupid. And we're supposed to be like, oh my God, that's what love is. It's a completely skewed perspective of a safe and caring relationship. And how many times like, have we accepted those things because we didn't know any better? Thousands of times. And, and to be clear, listeners, we are not saying that we condone this or mm-hmm. that we believe that all men behave like this. That is not what we're saying at all. What we're saying is that we observe these behaviors. In this case, we're talking about on the playground. And yeah. we dismiss them as being like, that's just, that's just what happens. And it's the accumulation of those little those little incidences, those little behaviors where that socialization occurs, where eventually a woman in her 20s might feel like, oh, you know, it's okay if you punch me in the arm and tell me that my makeup looks bad today or something, and I'm just supposed to accept it because you've done it your whole life, right? And it's not, we realize that we are complicit in that as well. Yes. So we are not at all bashing men or, or saying that, this is acceptable. We're we are just in the process of thinking about how how the little tiny social behaviors accumulate over time. It's like it's insidious in the sense yes, that it it's is. part of everything we do and, and very much negatively affects everyone. It's inescapable. Yeah. Yeah. I Which, mean I've had students come to me and say, Oh, Miss Scott, you don't know what it's like in the hallways. These five things were said to me today. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. And I know that as adults, like we quote, unquote, may grow out of it. But like, it's terrible. Some of the things that students are saying, and we don't see it maybe in our classrooms, Mm -hmm. but it does still happen in the hallways. And it makes me feel terrible. It makes me want to educate our students on how to treat people, each other better. And it's taking that critical point of view, not in the sense where it's a judgment, but a critical point of view in asking, well, why did this person feel it was okay to speak to this person this way? And what cultural norms or social systems are in place mm-hmm. to allow that? And then further questioning why, why we continue to perpetuate it. Again, not necessarily pointing the finger at any specific person, but at a a very large structure and system that has allowed it to continue. Well, and, you know, you're saying, why is it okay for someone to say that particular thing or do that particular thing? We had a discussion a few weeks ago, well, several weeks ago, maybe a few months ago, about how those behaviors are what we would call bullying in school, right? I remember this conversation. Yes, yes. So we talked about... Like, we basically made a list of all these, this is bullying, 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 bullying. Mm-hmm. But if you applied that exact same behavior to adults in a, in a relationship, you would call it abuse. So bullying behavior, mm-hmm. we dismiss it because kids will be kids or they'll grow out of it or whatever it is. But obviously not everybody does because there are still abusive relationships yes. later on, right? That bullying is the more palatable term to deliver to younger people to help understand what's happening to them, but also in a weird way, making it like, well, we've, we've named it something less serious than yeah. what it is to make it more okay. Hands down, it is abuse. It is emotional or physical or verbal abuse. Yeah. And I'm, they are what they are. And we know that the effects they have on a person's psyche and their 
um, their well-being are incredibly negative. Like whether no matter which form of abuse it is, mm-hmm. that it negatively affects a person's ability to be well. Right. And I mean, as we're reading in our current book, right, mm. it the accumulation of those things and our inability to deal with them in such a way that actually al- allows us to deal with it yeah. may end up being burnout at some <laughs> point, right? Well, when you're tackling a system, I think that's inevitably what end us, ended up with us doing the book that we chose is that fighting a system is a never-ending battle. It is a never-ending battle. It's calling into question your own actions and, you know, pumping yourself up to kind of stand up in situations every day. Every day. And it's, it's, can be exhausting. It can be exhausting. But at the same time, like, I just wish that, I mean, I, we're always going to wish this, but Hmm. like when I, when, not when I, but when kids make fun of other kids and their friends laugh, like that's also not an appropriate response, right? So why are they laughing? Like sometimes I ask the other students, yes. why did you laugh at that? Yeah. And they're like, because it's funny. I'm like, do you really think that's funny? And they're like, well, no, it's not funny. I just didn't know what else to do. So rather than sticking up for the person who's being bullied, they laugh it off because they're concerned about what one or the other friend will think. Yeah. You know? And we need more people that will stand up to bullies rather than laugh off the Mm -hmm. behavior that occurs and you know I liked to believe that it wasn't happening that much but the more that I talk to students the more I realize it's just continuing to happen oh I think you're absolutely right and I think ultimately our goal as as we've progressed through this is to help to try and find ways to give students confidence to stand up for themselves a hundred percent and to realize that maybe what they're doing is wrong right yes yeah I mean, we're educators. That's right. So and our we, job is to... Like I said, we have to do that. And it, and it isn't just, you know, standing up for girls or, no. or men versus women. It's like intersectionality comes in because yes. we, have, we have different genders. We have different races. We have different religious backgrounds. We have people from, you know, people that can barely speak English coming here now because of terrible situations in the world Mm -hmm. and we want this to be a safe place for them absolutely Um, another thing that I was thinking about uh, was where do I have it here sorry I'm just going through my notes oh yeah the checking your privilege thing Mm. we mentioned that a little bit and I mean Elena and I are we're we come from a place of privilege for sure absolutely have great lives we have great husbands we have great families we have great jobs we actually work in in a school system where men and women are paid equally actually where all genders are paid equally right there's no discrimination in terms of our pay but there are a lot of situations where that the pay gap still exists absolutely and so we we do know that we are coming from a place of probably massive privilege in terms of um, what we're paid and what we're able to do in our jobs and actually even our ability to move up in our jobs and mm-hmm. to make a podcast like this, right? <laughs> yeah, like this this platform that we get to be on is a privilege. And just for, for I guess for our listeners, if you're interested in the pay gap, sometimes those resources can be really overwhelming. And government, like the Canadian government actually 
through their website, um, the federal government's website has a bunch of resources, but just, just for your own like curiosity, Google the pink tax. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there was a video that we watched last year that talked about the pink tax and on it, it wasn't something I was aware of at all. But if you need that kind of tangible example of this being a systemic larger issue, I think that's potentially a good, just a little, little personal investigation yeah. to do. Yeah. And, and if you don't want to Google it, uh, the pink tax is an unfair make markup on clothing, toys, and personal care products for women, especially things like razors and haircuts and that yeah. kind of stuff. I, I didn't even <laughs> see. Jen has it like written right there, and I was just off in my own like, oh yeah, I remember that. Well, you did a great job. Oh, thank. I also looked up uh, Stats Canada, published in 2022, <laughs> that the gender pay gap was 0.89. Oh, wow. So women in 2022, on average, were paid 89% of what men were in the same jobs. Wow. Yeah, so it still exists. And again, we don't see that, but we know it exists because we are looking beyond our personal context, right? That's very true. So it is very important to look beyond your personal context in order to understand what negative impacts the patriarchy might have because some people might benefit greatly from it, right? Oh, Definitely. And that's where I think like the, the misogyny comes in. So if, like the patriarchy is the system in place. Misogyny is there to like hold it in place. And I like, I wrote down a metaphor for it here. Let me. Oh, I love metaphors. <laughs> okay. So in a patriarchal system, misogyny is the police force that upholds the system, keeps people in order and punishes those who stray. So in saying something is misogynist, what you're actually saying is you are unfairly holding up a patriarchal structure. Right. Um, and I think there's a misconception of that word, and you addressed this already, it's not about hating men. Mm-mm. That's actually not even the definition of misogyny, and, and it's not the definition that, that Kate Mann really gets into in Down not Girl. At all, but most people think misogyny means hating women. Yes, sorry, that it's negative. If you call someone misogynist, uh, yeah, I totally goofed that. You're, you're right. Yes, it's about hating women, yeah. which is not... I didn't mean to correct you. I meant to say, like, we would hate misogynists. Women would hate misogynists. Yes, right? yeah. But I think most people believe the definition is a misogynist is someone who hates women. And I understand why people would get their back up about that, that defensiveness mm-hmm. that we talked about before, that, well, I don't like that label. I don't want to be associated with that label. Like, I don't hate women, but... That's not what it means. That's not what it means. No, yeah. no. It's you're in, it, enforcing something that is been enforced on you. That was enforced on right. the person before you. Right. That has and you don't even realize it. Right? Exactly, and that's that's why we question. Exactly, and I'll say again, like if that word misogyny or misogynist makes you uncomfortable, figure out why it makes you uncomfortable. Yep. It, if I say that word, it doesn't mean I believe you are a misogynist mm. it i'm just using the term as it is right yeah or as as we've defined it as the absolutely police force for the as we've trip. defined it using kate, kate man as the backbone of our because yes. she just helped conceptualize something that i just i remember reading those first couple chapters of the book and realizing that this idea of misogyny doesn't exist in any other language no it's not a translatable word so it's a very like a very like westernized idea that's actually put into to words and into some type of definition this thing that exists so in that sense it's a relatively new concept yeah i would say so 
if it if it doesn't like really in terms of being defined in terms of yes, the no, concept no i think misogyny yeah. goes back to oh i don't know the beginning of time yeah as perhaps. we know it but no the, in the actual, patriarchal societies in patriarchal societies because mm-hmm. i guess so many in, like there's a lot of indigenous groups that are matriarchal societies mm-hmm. so it, it wouldn't misogyny wouldn't exist in that type of no. environment um but no the the definition of misogyny being a relatively new concept. Yes. yes. Um, someone once asked me um, if if misogyny is a hatred of men, is there a term for the hatred of women? And yes, there is. Uh, or sorry. Vice versa. Sorry, yes. It's that English, again, I'm having trouble with it. It's the worst language. It is. <laughs> sorry. Misogyny is hating of women. Is there a term for hating of men? And yes, it's mm. misandry. 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 So it's a dislike, Mis- a dislike or contempt of, or for, sorry, men. I don't hate men. Neither do I. But I do expect better of, like, better or more from some of the men in my life. But I also expect better from women in my life it's not it's not specific no and if the thing that we're trying to combat is a systemized disapproval or hatred it would be somewhat hypocritical for us to be haters of anybody the thing i hate is the position that it puts all of us in right so if you the, i think the thing is if you choose to uh prescribe to those defined roles, mm-hmm. then it's easy to hate someone for not falling into those roles, yeah. right? But if you if you choose to challenge those roles, then you can't hate anyone who doesn't fall into them because we're all learning. Yeah, we, I mean, the people in my close circle, we all grew up in the same type of society, right? Right. I think we all went to public school. Uh, it was all, you know, patriarchal societies that we grew up in. Mm-hmm. And so we're all having to learn what the consequences of that are and what we can do to make things better. Yeah. So, I mean, I certainly don't believe that I'm, you know, better than anyone else or that I, I can stand up for people more than anyone else can. I'm still scared because I still don't know as much as I would like to know even yeah. though I read a lot. But yeah, you, you're incredibly well, well read, but we knew that education, information, was our, was our key to, to growth and to like, like you said, we, there's no way we could be in a conversation with someone and, and say like, well, actually, what you've said or that idea is kind of inherently misogynist if we didn't truly understand right. what that meant. The education, I think, gave us a sense of power feels like the wrong word, but there was an accountability for, for us where we like, well, I know I have the back the back up information. I've done my research. I've done my reading. I know what I'm talking about. So I'm coming. Right prepared to have this conversation as opposed to just deciding that like I don't like that and not truly understanding why right I mean knowledge is power is a saying yes but I I think I believe that having knowledge empowers you Mm -hmm. to have those conversations 
See, how do you do? Well, that's just what you do. I love it. It's just, but it's these beautiful little nuggets of your brain, Jen, that you get to share with people that knowledge empowers. Yes. That's what it does. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. Well, you should. Because knowledge is power just diminishes the importance of attaining the knowledge. You're right. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that takes work. Thank you for coming to Enlightenment Hour <laughs> with Mrs. <laughs> Jen Scott. <laughs> so, um, actually, I think we'll have to talk about the second thing in a different mini podcast. Was that okay with you? Uh, yeah, abs- absolutely. And that then, to keep the people coming back for that's more. Right, that's right. And I just we're just going to recap. Okay, beautiful. Why, like, basically, if you want to smash or challenge the patriarchy, this is what you need to do. Have an open mind. Yes? Yes. Question everything, including your own beliefs. So, uh, that self-reflection, as hard as it may be, mm-hmm. uh, is the yeah, crucial part of this, of this journey. Yeah. And if you don't, if you question even yourself and you're like, I'm perfect, you definitely need to check your privilege. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Good? Yes. Yeah. Then educate yourself. So read some books. Read Down Girl. Like yeah, like as, exactly. as a starting book, hard, but worth it. Totally. So worth it. Worth it. Yeah, yeah, Down Girl, The Logic of Misogyny, Kate Mann, get it, run, run to the shop. Run to the shop and get it. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have to, what else did we talk about? Is not an us versus men fight. Yeah, it cannot be us versus them um, because it just breeds further conflict. Correct. Yeah. And if you find yourself in a situation where uh, a man feels that way, you have to be educated enough to explain that that's not what it is. Yes. Okay? Yeah. Because we're not out to... Smashing the patriarchy is not about bashing men. Absolutely not. Not at all. It's about finding our own power. Yes. That's right. Mm -hmm. Um, Challenging traditional gender roles is also important. Yes. We talked a little bit about that, how intersectionality is important Mm -hmm. because discriminating against one group of people and applying that same those same uh, actions I guess of discrimination mm-hmm. to everybody else because one is better than the other yeah not 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 allowed um, and then look beyond your own personal context so the more we stay in our own little boxes the less meaningful the world is yeah and making connections with people outside of your own personal context i believe is what helps you grow so check your privilege check your language language and 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 grow stagnant is boring it is boring stagnant is boring and moldy moldy well like if water just like sits there and doesn't move algae yeah and then it's 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 like it's gross it stinks swamp creatures yeah no i think growth yeah. Growth. Aerate the water. Aerate. <laughs> yeah. If, okay. So if knowledge empowers, then knowledge is the oxygen needed to aerate the stagnant water. Yes. Is that a metaphor? Oh, I, I don't know. I just stumbled into it, but oh. I do believe it is in fact a metaphor. Oh, that was beautiful. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> That's my job on this podcast, to take intellectual things you say and be like, Oh, brother. I can make it a metaphor. But that's how I understand it. Like it's, but it's, metaphors require a huge degree of critical thinking. Oh, stop. Okay, thank you. It's true. Hear that, children? Yes. 
metaphors are an excellent way to uh, provide examples and context of, mm -hmm. of processing information. Yeah. So we really are like two different sides of a brain. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's good. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Yeah, and, and enjoy this mini episode with um, some contextual information. And um, we'll be still coming at you next week with chapter two. Yeah. And we have another bonus episode too we're going to record. A surprise bonus episode because we don't know when it's coming. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. Love you all. Thank you again for listening. Take care of yourselves and talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, y'all. Before we sign off on this mini episode, Jen and I thought it was important to share with you um, a reading from a specific section of Kate Mann's book. And the book again is Down Girl, The Logic of Misogyny. Jen and I are both cis-hetero white women. And obviously our perspectives don't necessarily cover all women or the intersectionality of, of many of these issues because as Jen said, we come from a place of privilege. So I wanted to use Kate Mann's words, read a section that I think really captures how Jen and I feel. And this title of the subsection is called Regrets. Perhaps the biggest omission, although there are many in this book, is a discussion of trans misogyny. This is a deeply important, indeed urgent issue given that trans women, trans women of color in particular, are an extremely vulnerable population in the United States among many other parts of the world today. Welcome increases in visibility have sadly yet all too predictably led to backlash and trans men are also highly vulnerable. Given the prevalence of transphobic and transmisogynistic violence, harassment, and both individual and structural forms of discrimination, I regret not being able to speak to its nature. That being said, it seemed evident to me I didn't have the requisite authority to do so. So for Jen and myself, we want to try to include, when we do some of our research and when we interview people, we want to intrude, include as many viewpoints as possible. Um, but as against this white hetero women, uh, there's, those are not necessarily perspectives that we ourselves can share, and yet we are sensitive to them and are absolutely allies for um, any community that feels like um, is oppressed in, in any sense of the word. So the other section um, relates more directly to black women, but I think this extends to women of color. So Kate intends to shed light on the way an authority figure preyed on black women who were highly vulnerable in being poor, legally compromised, being sex workers or having drug addictions. I couldn't help but be struck by the way that white women on the jury cried sympathetic tears for the perpetrator despite convicting him of egregious sexual crimes against black women. And white women in the mainstream feminist media were also largely silent. Together, this illustrates one form of the misogynoir of complicity and ignorance white women are guilty of all too often. I include myself in the class of those who can, must do better. So 
again, Jen and I felt it was important to share that because we are truly intending to not be silent and to not be silent, not just for ourselves, but for all victims of oppression and fully acknowledging that those individuals who don't fall within the gender binaries are more negatively affected by the patriarchy. And additionally, women who are persons of color are also more negatively affected by the patriarchy. So thank you again for listening and we'll see you next time.